Good morning, Harvest Church. It is a joy to be with you today in your living rooms for the second week in a row. If you've been following our church series lately, we've been going through the book of Exodus. Last week was the tenth and final plague, uh, the plague of the firstborn, where we see God's mighty hand and we saw God's holy covering. And so this week, we're going to be taking a pause in our Exodus series, and uh, given everything that's unfolded in the last week, um, the Lord just laid a specific message uh, on, on my heart in preparation for this, and it's just going to be called, Our Anxiousness, God's Peace. If, if you've been tracking with the news, it's amazing how differently our lives look today than they did a week ago, isn't it? We've gone into a lot more social isolation, a little bit more withdrawing, and so now we're finding ourselves having conversations that we typically probably wouldn't have, even with individuals that we typically wouldn't have them with. I know this week, I spent a few hours talking to my roommate um, and just hearing from them more and more of just their passions and, and their interests, and as my roommate and I were talking greater and greater, it turns out that we are married and have kids together. And sometimes these situations allow you to press pause on life. It removes the disruptions. It moves the, the chaoticness of life. And it allows us to kind of focus in on the home front a little bit more. And now we're having awesome conversations with our spouses more and more. It gives us greater time to be able to, to connect where before, kind of like in my joke about my roommate with being my wife, we can have so much chaoticness in life and then, and then suddenly now it's this opportunity to really stop and to reconnect. I think with everything that's going on, it has tremendous opportunities for us to reconnect and to focus on the relationships that truly matter. And so today, we're going to be talking about anxiousness. Um, and, and so what I want to do before we jump in today's passage, which is in Matthew chapter 6, I want to stop and I want to pray. Church, will you pray with me? Father God, we just pause before you right now. Uh, Lord, where we put the news on pause right now, where we've put um, most of our daily living on pause, we're, we're stopping to look to you and to your word. And God, in this season of anxiousness, in this season of anxiety that can exist within us, I pray, God, would we talk about anxiousness? Um, and Lord, would we incorporate your spirit and your word into such a sensitive topic in a way that is life-giving and good? Let shame, guilt, and condemnation not be part of this conversation and, 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 and anxiousness. And Lord, would we be able to, as a result of looking to your word today, would we be able to address the theme of anxiousness from us being the new creations, the sons, the daughters of you, Lord? And would we look to you and your word, and would we find it freeing and beautiful, Lord? We're not asking for this for somebody else today. God, this is for us today, Lord. We need this message. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so we're going to be diving into Matthew 6, 25 through 34, but I want to start by laying this out. You ready? We are all anxious creatures. You give us the right season with the right trigger, with the right ingredients, with the right circumstances. We are all anxious creatures. And so Matthew 6, 25 through 34 is actually going to start to talk to us about our anxiousness and about our anxiety. Check it out. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right, so the word of God just kind of outed us in this passage. We are anxious creatures. I've I've seen so much, especially as a counselor, being in the counseling room. We can experience, as Christians, so much shame and guilt around anxiousness. Maybe if I was just a better Christian, I wouldn't have anxiousness. If I just loved the Lord more, I wouldn't have anxiety. And, And so what we do with this religious thinking, which is just hollow, which is just powerless is now we take our anxiousness and we add performance to it. I'm just going to perform my way out of this anxiety. I'm going to earn my way out of this anxiety. And we just add this crushing, compounding equation of anxiousness trying to solve itself through performance. And honestly, the anxiousness, it, it almost just ferments. It just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Man, if I if I just wasn't anxious, if, if I was just a better Christian, if I just loved the Lord more. But if you really examine the word of God, some of the greatest followers of God have anxiety. Elijah was fearful and he went under the broom tree. Moses was fearful and asked God, would you just send somebody else? In Second Chronicles 20, King Jehoshaphat when he found out that the kings were coming to kill him, he was fearful. Gideon is marked with fear. David in the Psalms is, is, there's so many Psalms that are just filled with fear, with anxious thoughts. Some of the godliest men and women of the Bible, and today, some of the godliest men and women wrestle with anxiety. You know, in what we read in Matthew, you know that the Gospel of Luke, it it gives the same account. I think the Lord, multiple times in different places in his word, he's addressing the same theme. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Why? Because we are anxious creatures. 
And we need to be constantly reminded of what to do with that anxiety. If, if you've been following my life story, I'm, I'm, I'm 32 years old. Honestly, in the previous 32 years of my life, not a ton of anxiety. And then this summer changed so much of it. Um, I don't remember the morning I got sick. I don't remember getting medevaced by a helicopter to Toronto. All I remember is waking up intubated in the ICU room of North York General. And uh, between then and now has just been a lot of complications and a lot of side effects and a lot of unknowns. Even, even last week, we were supposed to do um, my follow-up MRI. And, and leading up to that MRI, I'm just here to say, I, I just had a low-level anxiety that was just constantly bubbling. Oh, man, wh wh what's the MRI going to find? What's it going to discover? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? What, what's my trajectory look like? Does this happen again? Do, does this not happen again? And there's just this anxiousness of, I don't want to know, I don't want to know, I don't want to know, and I don't want to know. And then the MRI, because it was held at a hospital that was just a, a testing center for COVID-19, um, we canceled the MRI just out of some wisdom, and we rebooked it to June. And now my anxiousness of not wanting to know has now shifted to, I just want to know. I just want to know. What am, I, what am I facing? The Lord is just showing and unearthing me in this last year. I am so fragile. The, the veil of my false security was just, was just ripped. And there's times and moments where I just feel so exposed, so fragile, so sensitive. I, I feel so, so weak. And there's just these moments of anxiousness that just start to flood my thought life. And this year, I am wrestling out anxiousness in a, in a whole new light and in a whole new way. And remember some of that religious talking I was, I was talking about, like, oh, man, if I just love the Lord more, if I, if I just was a better Christian, I wouldn't have these thoughts. And, and can I be honest with you? You ready? There's moments where I have that religious thinking as well. Uh, man, I am I'm a pastor. I, I should be past this. Oh, I'm a counselor. I deal with anxiety all the time in the room. If, if anybody has to have this figured out, Matt, surely it's got to be you. And there's this moments of anxiety that increase, and then I compound it with this hollow, useless, garbage religiosity, and I put the two together, and it just adds to the whirlwind of what feels like my thought life and what feels like my emotions. And the Lord so graciously takes me to texts like Matthew 6 and puts the brakes on and going, Matt, whoa, 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 whoa. You can either spiral down in this anxiety and you can keep compounding it with religious empty thinking and worrying about what people feel or press pause. Here's how I want to enter your anxiety, Matt. And Matthew 6 is showing how the Lord enters your anxiety. And we've got to see that first. We've got to acknowledge we're, we're anxious creatures with the right situation, with the right trigger, with the right cultural event, with the right medical diagnosis. It can just breed this anxiousness in us. You ready? Anxiousness is not sin. You are not sinning because you're experiencing anxiousness. What we do with our anxiety is critical, though. A lot of times when you, when you deal with anxiousness, you deal with what I call in the counseling room intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts are just like an intruder into your home. They're not welcome, but man, are they trying to kick in your front door. And so really, a lot of our anxious thoughts are very similar. We don't 
want to think about them. We don't desire to think about them, but man, they're just right there and they're flooding us and they're hitting us. And the word of God is entering Matthew chapter six. And the word of God and the spirit of God is pushing in and he's going, do not be anxious. Now there's two ways to read that. You can read it like kind of like a, a cold father would say it, which it would be like, knock it off. Stop it. What are you doing? Or there's a way to read the do not be anxious. And you can see it through the lens of a loving father where he's not chirping you, he's not belittling you, but rather he's speaking a narrative over our anxiety that is life-giving and good. The Lord is going, do not be anxious. But he's not saying it in a judgmental sense. He's saying it, don't be anxious because I'm going to show you how I enter your anxiety. You are not alone in your anxiety. I am close and I have a different perspective. And so when I say do not be anxious, it's because of how the Lord's going to enter it. He's not commanding you like a cold general, stop it, knock it off. No, he's speaking a life-giving narration over our anxiety. And he's showing this is how I'm going to enter your anxiety. And I'm going to take you from a place of spiraling and anxiousness. And I'm going to woo you in a process to a place of peace. And the beautiful thing about that is it's about how the Lord enters it. It's not about how we perform. And so first we've got to acknowledge that we are anxious creatures, but then we've got to learn to be able to articulate our anxiety. We need to be able to diagnose it. We can't fight what we don't know. And that's why I love verse 34 in this passage. Look at it. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I love this verse because the word of God just legitimized. We have fears. Our days will be troubled. The Lord is not dismissing our anxiety. The Lord is saying, is not saying how foolish we are, like your anxiety is unfounded. No, the Lord is saying there's legitimate troubles coming tomorrow and there's legitimate troubles that you're facing today. And so don't live in just the future anxiety, but rather deal with the anxiety that you're dealing with here today. The Lord is going, your, tr- your day has trouble and I want to enter it and speak a different narrative into it. That's what I love about the word of God is it's going, your day does have trouble. You will have anxiousness. Let's work through this. And so you start to see in verses 25 through 31, you start to see that like some of the, some of the, the anxious thoughts arising in this passage has to do with food, has to do with water, has to do with clothing, it has to do with health. And we start to see that like in in our different seasons of life, if we're honest, our anxieties present differently. And so learning to articulate what is making us anxious today is critical. We can't address and we can't biblically work through what we don't know. And so the word of God here is giving examples of the things that make us anxious. What's making you anxious here today? Perhaps it's your marriage. Perhaps it's your kids, perhaps it's your health, maybe it's the economy. For different people, we're going to have different anxious triggers. In fact, for example, I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a three-week-old. So right now, my, my three-year-old, um, really what, what makes me anxious about her has to do with making sure she doesn't put anything in the electrical socket. What I worry for my three-year-old when she's 18 will look totally different. In different seasons, our anxiousness, our anxiety, it will manifest itself in different ways. And so being able to know today, the day that we're facing, what 
the anxiousness is about and being able to articulate it and define it is critical in the process of working through it. And, and you ready? More often than not for Christians, if we're honest, the things that make us anxious, they're not bad things. More often than not, the things that we find the most anxiousness about are things that are actually good. They're things that are gifts from the Lord. But what's critical for the follower of Christ, what's critical for me today, what's critical for you today, is knowing how to order the things that are good in our life and knowing how to entrust them. You see, anxiousness can take the good things that the Lord's gifted us with. And anxiousness, what it's trying to do is it's trying to reorder the things in our life. So it's going to try and remove the idea of God's sovereignty over these areas. And now, instead of God's sovereignty over my three-year-old, what it's going to do is it's going to try, my anxious thinking is going to try and remove God from the equation. And now I have to be Lord over my three-year-old. Now I have to determine her future. I have to determine her steps. And if I just do this and 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 this for the next 25 years, then hopefully, and you see how that thinking plays out? Because now this good thing, like my kids, when my anxiousness is quick to remove the Lord and remove the Lordship over those things, and now it's on me, an anxious creature. And now I will make anxious decisions based off of anxious thoughts. Why? I've reordered them in an unhealthy order. And so what's really important in knowing when we start to diagnose our anxieties, when we start to be able to articulate our anxieties, what we as Christians is, is we got to do two things pretty quick. One, what is my responsibility? What has God entrusted me with and what am I supposed to do? What is in within my healthy realm of control? What am I called to walk out? That's part one. But there's another very important column and it's this. What must I entrust to God? What am I entrusting to myself that isn't designed for myself? But rather, what must I entrust to the Lord. For example, like in parenting, um, here's my responsibility uh, to raise them in the ways of the Lord, to raise them in the knowledge of, of God and who he is and what he has done. But here's what I got to entrust to the Lord, and it's this. Their lives aren't mine. Their futures aren't mine. They're not made in my image, and they're not worshipers of me. And so there's a part of their life that I have to entrust to the Lord that is beyond my control. And often anxiousness really resides in the heart where we, the things that are supposed to be entrusted to the Lord, we're trying to yank them off of the Lord and put them back onto us. And that is where a lot of our anxiousness breeds and multiplies. And so really, we, we need to be able to diagnose our fears and our worries and our anxiousness, and we've got to be able to articulate them because here's the greatest lie that anxiousness is trying to show us, and it's this. Anxiousness, in a subtle way, has a promise, and it's this. I'm going to add to your life. I'm going to give life to your life. It's found in verse 27. It's a small verse, but it's easy to just skip by. Look at it. Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his life? 
I think the root of a lot of our anxiety is our attempt to add hours to our situation. And don't think of just literal time. I mean, we're trying to conjure up life into a situation where we're worried. We're trying to create solutions into a situation that is beyond our control. How do you know you're doing this? It's because you're having hypothetical scenarios play out in your mind, left, right, and center. You're having hypothetical conversations that really don't exist. And all the while, we're wasting time, we're wasting hours, and we're wasting energy only while increasing our anxiety because nothing's getting resolved. The Gospel of Luke in, cha- in chapter 12, 25 through 26, says the same thing. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to their lifespan? If you are not able to do as small of a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? I mean, I love how the word of God is putting us rightfully in our place. And it's not an insult, but rather it's comforting. The Lord is going, if you can't play ball at this level, why are you trying to go up here? The Lord is sweetly reminding us of our place, and it's this. We're small. And so part of killing anxiety is remembering We are small. We can't be making ourselves big in our minds. Luke is saying, if you can't add an hour to your life, why are you trying to control higher levels? Why is this comforting? It's because God's reminding us in his word in Luke and in Matthew, it's going, the world worries about clothing. The world worries about food. The world worries about the days ahead. And, And Matthew and Luke are going, but you remember, you are a child of God. And and Luke and Matthew are going this, the Lord knows your needs. The Lord is aware of your concerns. And that's why Luke and Matthew are going, so seek him. Don't seek your concerns. Seek him who knows your concerns. The gospel is saying, seek first the kingdom when your anxiety hits, when your nervousness hits. What do you seek first? Because that's a good measure of what you ultimately trust. When your anxiousness hits, what's the first thing you seek? More often than not, you ready? That's going to be the temptation of your heart that that's your God. Do you seek first the Lord in your anxiousness? Or do you seek your control? Do you seek your ability, your strength, your wisdom? Do you seek the bottle? Do you seek your spouse? Do you seek your kids? Really, the first thing we seek is the thing our heart finds the most comfort in. And the Lord is going, seek me first. Why? Because we're not just worried creatures at times. We're not just fearful creatures at times. We are always worshiping creatures. And we will seek first what we trust, and we will seek first what we ultimately worship. We're never going to seek what we don't trust. And the Lord is going, seek me first. Trust me. I know your needs come to me. And so when the Lord is going, like, what does it mean to seek the kingdom? When the Lord is saying, seek me first, and and maybe there's this wrestle of like, okay, that's great. I have anxiousness. I have anxiety. How do I do that? What is the word of God pointing to? In the counseling room, I often do this technique. I just call it seek, cast, submit. Seek, cast, submit. What does that mean? Verse 33 of Matthew, look at it. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Lord is going, seek not what is temporary. 
like the news, which is going to change in five minutes. Spoiler alert. He's going, seek me. Don't seek that which changes. Seek me. Seek what does not change. Press pause on your spiraling. Press pause in your anxiety. And take you, your anxiousness, your needs, your concerns, and bring them to the Lord. Why? So first we seek, now we cast. Matt, what does that mean? 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he might exalt you. You ready? Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Isn't that a gorgeous verse? Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What does it mean to cast? It means throw upon, place on, take to, cast not some, all of your anxiousness. My question is this. Every human being casts. What are you casting to today? What are you looking and seeking to first? And the Lord is going, cast it all to me. Why? I care for you deeply. Cast all of it to me. Why? I want to speak a different narrative over you. Cast all of it to me. Why? I want to comfort you with my word and my spirit. Why? Because we're anxious creatures and the Lord is going, even with your anxiousness, cast it on me, come to me. You are welcome. Don't let shame and guilt or religious thinking make you pull away, but rather the Lord is going, come closer, press into me. Why? Because the Lord is not anxious and he wants to speak that narrative over you. And you know why we can trust the Lord? You want to know how the Lord demonstrated that he cares? It's found in Matthew 26, 36 through 44, where Christ himself experienced anxiety and knows what it's like, and he subjected himself to it, and he modeled to us how to walk through it. Check out this passage, Matthew 26, 36 through 34. Read it with me. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Look at the words to describe the Son of God himself. He's sorrowful and troubled. He says, my soul is very sorrowful to the point of death. Christ is going before God the Father and going, let this, cap, pa, let this cup pass from me. 
You see that? He's casting. By the way, spoiler alert, how many times did he just have to cast? It wasn't once. It wasn't one and done. It wasn't twice. The perfect son of God in one passage had to cast three times before the Lord. Christ is wrestling out his anxiousness by going before the Lord multiple times. The most powerful part of his prayer isn't that he's just casting his anxieties to the Lord. The most powerful point of his prayer is this. Your will be done, not mine. What a gorgeous, simple example of Christ seeking first the kingdom. Because what Christ is ultimately saying there is this. Here's my anxiety, Lord. Here's the situation at hand, Lord. I am trusting you. And spoiler alert, he still went to the cross. Spoiler alert, Christ walked through the thing that was causing him anxiety. But apart from that prayer, apart from that casting, he wouldn't have had the strength to walk through it. Why? He had to be abiding in the Lord in order to walk through that. Really, Pastor Kai often says the cross was won in the prayer of Gethsemane. Why? The factors didn't change, but he was given a supernatural strength to walk out obedience even when the circumstances didn't change. Now, that should be one of the most freeing messages for us as followers of Christ. Why? Because in this moment, whether our circumstances change or not, the Lord enters our anxiety to change us not necessarily our circumstances. This is going to really divide two types of Christian, if I'm honest. Right here divides the Christian who submits to the lordship of God, and here divides the Christian who just wants a really good therapist from the Lord. What does that mean? I'll explain. As Christians, the Lord, he, he owns us. He has lordship over our lives, which means in the good times and in the bad, you are Lord. You have sovereign control over my life. I trust you. Whether this hardship passes or whether this hardship doesn't, what matters most is what you say, Lord, and your kingdom. I trust you. I don't trust my circumstances, but I trust you. And there's another type of Christian who really doesn't want the Lord to have lordship over their life, but really they want a cute therapist that makes them feel comfortable. And so they think it's Jesus Christ, where it's just like, okay, he's going to make all my circumstances warm and fuzzy and wonderful, and it's going to feel like a giant vacation. That's not what the Lord is promising in the least. And so when you are pressed in your moment of anxiety, and, and you first seek the Lord, and you cast on the Lord, What's your inclination? Do you want the Lord to give you a narrative over your anxiety saying, don't be anxious, I am with you, I know your needs, and I'm gonna supply everything that you need in order to walk up my obedience? Or are you crying out to the Lord saying, you are a genie in a lamp, and I don't like my circumstances, change them. Now, a lot of us wouldn't say that out loud, but here's how you know you're that Christian, and it's this if your circumstances don't change and you're angry with the Lord. But what I love here in this moment for the, for the children of God, for us who are anxious creatures, the Lord is saying, come often. 
Come as many times as you need. Why? The perfect son of God had to wrestle this out three times in one short text. How much more us who are not the son of God, who are not perfect, how much more do we need to wrestle this out? And so my God, like what I want to encourage you with is, is this. You know what God's greatest gift in our anxiety is? His empathy, his closeness, and his strength. And he is saying, come to me. Why? Because he, in his grace, like Hebrews, he's an empathetic high priest. The son of God left the comforts and glories of heaven to experience anxiousness so that in our moment of anxiousness, we could call upon a God who knows, who's walked through it perfectly, and wants to meet us perfectly in it. So my encouragement to you, finally, is just this. Not if, but when your anxiety hits, remember, seek, cast, and submit to the one who knows, cares, and is with you. Because spoiler alert, he is far better at it than you will ever be. And so a lot of times in the counseling room, after a session, I create something called a growth assignment. It's something that a counselee can walk on throughout the week to keep progress growing, to keep wrestling well. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, wow, I've never heard of anxiousness really talked about that. I didn't realize anxiousness isn't a sin. It doesn't mean I'm a, not a good Christian, but rather it just means I got to do something with it. But Matt, I've, I've had anxiousness and I've never really done anything with it, or I don't know what to do with it. And Matt, your, your sermon's hitting from a totally different angle that I've never thought about. I want you to know that attached to this sermon below in the description is going to be a document you can download. And you're like, Matt, I want to keep growing in this. I want to keep wrestling in this. There's going to be a document that's going to help you out throughout the week. It's going to have scriptures of encouragement. It's going to have practical exercises for you to walk through and, and, and just to be able to dialogue with God in. And so look for that in the description because I love what Matt Chandler says, and it's this. God has won the war on anxiousness, so now we can walk and fight in the battle. Pray with me, church. Father God, we come before you right now. We're lifting up high the name of Christ because there has been none like him who has perfectly walked through anxiousness but yet has experienced the realness of it so that when we are walking through the realness of it, he invites us to come. And so God, as those covered by the blood of Christ, as those who he calls beloved sons and beloved daughters, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you meet us often this week? And Lord, would we seek, cast, and submit to the one who knows our needs and wants to meet us? There is none like you, and I thank you that you meet us, anxious, weak Christians, and you give us a strength far greater than anything we could conjure up on our own. Lord, you are good, and you do good, and we trust you even in these changing times. In Christ's name, amen.